Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of one of our 2020 Elul study classes. Hi everybody, it's uh, nice to see all of you. All right. Um, I was just trying to think of what new and I needed this this uh, this afternoon. We're gonna try this one.
afternoon, everyone. It's nice to see all of you. Is my volume okay? Am I loud enough? Yeah? Okay, cool. So um, it's nice to be back here with all of you for, uh, for one last uh, foray into the music, behind the music, me music as Midrash, the hidden meaning of song. And uh, we got a couple more melodies to, to think about today, a couple more texts to dive into. So uh, let's get right to it. Oh, will you, Railway Shots, will you allow me to screen share? Yep, yep, sorry, sorry. Uh -huh. There you go. Here I go. Okay. So um, this is our uh, another opportunity for us to sort of think about um, what's going into some of these texts that that lead us into this high holiday season, and uh, and this particular one is a, a text that's been inspiring me for for a few years now, um, and before we get into that text, I thought we could take a look at uh, at the idea of responsibility. And uh, we talked a little bit a few weeks ago about who's responsible for our actions and how um, what we do sort of tilts the whole, the scales of the whole world. It's not just about us. It's about um, the scales of the whole world being shifted based on each one of our actions, which is a lot of responsibility. But in the Talmud, it says, Whoever is able to protest against the transgressions of their own family, and does not do so is liable, or right? is held responsible for the sins of their family. Uh, so too, whoever is able to protest against the transgressions of the people of their community and does not do so is punished for the transgressions of their community. And whoever is able to protest against the transgressions of the entire world and does not do so is punished for the transgressions of the entire world. This one sentence is talking a little bit about responsibility, but even just from this one phrase, we get, we get circles of influence, right? Ripples out from our own actions mm -hmm. that even if the actions themselves are not our own, the actions of those people who might be able to listen to the words that we're trying to say, uh, it's important for us to, to name those words, to, to stand up, to stand in the balance. Moses, uh, often in the history of the people of Israel, stands between the people of Israel and God, protecting them, asking for forgiveness on their behalf, uh, rebuking them on times when they've done something wrong. But Moses is, is there as sort of the middleman hanging in the balance. And this is apparently, according to the Talmud, what our role is. Our responsibility here is to stand in the brink, to hold on to and be accountable for ourselves, for our families, for our communities, and for the entire world. It's, a, it's an intense way to, to live. And, uh, and so, you know, thinking about our own particular actions and, and the idea that what we were talking about before, um, I found this text from, from uh, Shmot Rabbah, which talks about this verse, Ve'ish Trumot Yehersena, which comes from Proverbs. It says, a person who separates themselves destroys the world. That's what it's talking about. And, and uh, so the rabbis try to understand who is this person who separates themselves. And, uh, and this is what they say. They say, this refers to a sage who knows the laws their interpretations and derivations and substantive and ethical tales, right? They know all the Midrash, they know all the Agadah, they know everything that goes into the law. But when a widow or an orphan comes to them to decide their case, he says, I am busy. I'm busy with Torah study. Asuk ani b'mishnati. I'm too busy studying right now. I'm not free. I don't have any free time. And God says that to that sage, God says to that sage, I consider this as though you have destroyed the entire world. God speaks to that sage and says, You've destroyed the entire world. That's what it means a person who separates themselves destroys the world. And I think, you know, oftentimes we get caught up in our own lives. We, uh, we have a lot going on. 
especially nowadays, especially when we're going from this Zoom meeting to that Zoom meeting. Um, and even when we're staying in our houses, it feels like we're busier than we ever were before. And especially now when we're mostly in our homes, we're not really seeing the actions of all these people in the world. Um, but, but what this is saying is that you're not free to desist from engaging in the world. That at all times we have to be finding ways to be in the world, to live in the world and deal with things that are happening in the world, to not just be immersing ourselves in study, to not just open up a book and say, I'm busy, I'm, I'm studying the text, I'm doing what's really important, I have these lofty goals. No, we have to be engaging with people in the real world at the same time. And, uh, and so that's where this melody comes from. It's words from Likutei Maharan, which are uh, the teachings of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. And uh, they, they, I found them, or really, I guess they found me um, when I was studying in Jerusalem for my year in rabbinical school at the Conservative Yeshiva. And uh, for about um, a, a, a month or two, I was having a, a really difficult time with prayer. Um, I was uh, one of those people in rabbinical school that was very medoctic. I was very exacting on myself about coming to Minyan. Uh, even if I wasn't really engaged all the time in Minyan, if, even if I wasn't all the time engaged in prayer, felt it was important for there to be a Minyan for us in rabbinical school. So I was there every morning um, in the yeshiva. And, uh, but there was a period, a long period of time where I was uh, really struggling with finding focus especially at seven in the morning um, in like a, the, the conservative yeshiva is this beautiful old building, but it's also kind of like a dungeon. It's like almost underground and there's these like beautiful stone arches, but it feels cold. So uh, I was having a little bit of a tough time trying to find focus. And luckily uh, it's a big midrash. So there's lots of books all over the place. So I just, you know, I pull books off the shelf and just read them during, during uh, tefillah, during prayer. And one day I pulled Likutei Maharan off the shelves the teachings of Rabbi Nachman, and I happened to flip to the beginning of chapter five, and I found these words. Right? Every person must say to themselves, the whole world was created for me. Once I realize that the whole world was created for me, I need to look around and truly see. To find ways at all times to fix the world. And to fill up the holes in the world. And to pray on the world's behalf. And I looked at these words and I read them a whole bunch of times. And, uh, and I realized that these words are saying a lot about responsibility. Um, and there are words that are kind of similar to them that, uh, that may be familiar to, to many of us. It's the, the teaching of Rabbi Simcha Banim of Peshischa, who says that at all times we should have two pieces of paper in our pockets. One that says the whole world was created for me and one that says I am but dust and ashes. And I think that teaching is really about balance. It's about picking the piece of paper out of your pocket that you really need to hear in that moment. Or, or perhaps more, more uh, correct to say that you pull the piece of paper out of your pocket that you don't need in that moment to, to rebalance you. Um, but I think that what this is saying is something very different. It's saying that, that not everyone has the privilege of being able to say the whole world was created for me. But if you do have the privilege of being able to say that, even at, at even one, one day, right? Not, you're not saying this all the time, but if you ever come to the realization that you have privilege, it comes with a significant amount of responsibility to do something about that fact. 
to find ways all the time to be looking into the world and finding ways to fill up the holes in the world, right? The, the, the Hasidic masters teach that, that there are holes in the world that each one of us is uniquely designed and created to fill up, that no one else could fill those holes. And if you don't, no one will. There's nobody else that was created for the same exact purpose that you were created for. So that's what this prayer is about. And so I, uh, I, I wrote this me- a melody for these words and I was very inspired by them. And I wrote the melody down, and uh, in a very silly way, I forgot to record it because, you know, I didn't write down the chords, and I didn't record the melody, and, you know, nowadays I've learned my lesson, and I always recorded a no voice memo, and so I forgot the melody, and I was very sad for many weeks. I was, like, devastated that I was walking around, and I was like, I don't, I don't know what the melody is, uh, and these words were so powerful and impactful for me, and then one day I was walking to to the yeshiva on the in the morning and I was humming to myself and I realized that the melody that I was humming was this melody it was the melody for these words so I ran to the yeshiva and I pulled out the guitar that we have there and I and I recorded it right away and I was very excited and I wrote it down and then I walked back home um, later that day and there were signs for um, a, a fabrengen Fabrengen is like a big musical party and uh, I it, it was from a, a fabrengen for a, a really um, incredible Rebbe, whose name I am blanking on right now. Wow. Um, but he, uh, oh, now, hold on, it's going to bother me. Now we have to look it up. He wrote Nakimi, Rabbi Shatz, do you know, can you think of who it is? No. Oh, uh, hold on. Nakimi, like, like, oh, oh. Nakimi, may I fall down. No, hold on. Yeah, I mean, I know. Yosef Karduner. Haha, we got it. Very good. Very good. Okay. Uh, Rav Yosef Karduner is a Hasidic Rebbe, and he was having a Fabrengen, and I had ri- written it down on my calendar because I really wanted to go. It was at the, like, the Hasidic neighborhood right next to where I lived, and I had written it down for the wrong day, and it turns out it was happening at that moment as I saw that sign. And I went, and so I ran over there, and it was in a small, like, hole-in-the-wall synagogue. It was, like, me and, like, a hundred Haredim, which, like, all in the black garb with the black hats, and me just in my clothes from the yeshiva. It was very out of place. But we sat there, and we sat in for, like, four hours. And it was really, really amazing. Uh, and and Rav Yosek Arduner, it turns out, actually also has a melody for these words, and I had never heard it before, and I had never seen these words before. And the day that I found my melody was the day that I also was able to be in his presence and, and hear his melody. Um, I, I didn't go over and tell him that I also wrote a melody, but uh, I, let, I let him have his moment. But, uh, but this is the melody for Kitsarich. Um, and the idea is that we should be always looking around. The beginning is sort of this coming to the realization. Hopefully you'll hear that in the, in the melody itself. And once we have this realization, the urgency picks up, this idea that we really need to, to be looking out to find ways to, to fix the world. Here we go. Oh, uh-huh. 
Kitsari, Kitsari, this with you and yet I spoke to you right after this happened um 
So this past weekend, I drove down to Laguna. My family has a home in Laguna on the beach, um, and it's where I do some of my best writing. So always before the high holidays, I go down and I write. And okay. And I always turn my phone on to shuffle because I want to be able to hear just whatever songs my phone thinks I need to hear. And one of the things that I always experience as I'm driving down to the beach, and I actually mentioned this to Mara, uh, is that I can actually feel my brain kind of unfog because I know that I'm about to be in a place of just ability to write and openness and a lot of quiet, which is nice. Um, and this song came on. And it complete, I listened to it like three times because it completely hit me that this was exactly what I needed to hear. Um, that these high holidays feel specifically for, for clergy, very heavy in terms of wanting to make every individual experience unique and special and intentional. Um, and I think that's what Rabbi Warshawski and I are intending to do. And yet that doesn't leave a lot of space for self. And I think that I, in, in writing, have found a bit more of that. Um, but I just wanted to share with all of you a, a little bit of that vulnerability that this song really reminded me that there is something about creating for community, but that you have to actually do it by understanding what you for yourself. Um, and there's a really interesting, and I'm sorry if I'm taking away from you, Josh, but there's a really interesting grammatic grammatical um, usage here that we learn when we're in uh, rabbinical school, this low Ella, um, that at first it says low, and then it says Ella, and together that means only, but really if you just read the words as they are, it's that the entire world was not created except for myself. And there's something really powerful in understanding that as only created for me, but also understanding that the world was also not just created, um, but that I need to also be able to create. So I just want to, I had no idea you were going to be teaching this today. Um, and I just wanted to share that that was something that, uh, that really held me as I was writing uh, for the past few days. And it's beautiful to now. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was so beautiful. I I really I love this this low allies like a really beautiful phrasing, and uh, and it, it's hard to hold these both of these thoughts in the balance. The idea that that the whole world was created for me. It's hard to read conservationist or wasteful, and so on for all of the attributes. There's no one that forces or decrees for them, nor anyone who pulls them toward one of the two paths. Rather, that person of their own will and awareness leans toward whichever path they want. I really love this teaching because this puts um, agency on our own plates. That it's not about God deciding that we are one way or another. It's about each choice is our own step in whichever direction. It's all, it's, it's up to us. It's up to us to make those decisions. And there could be a moment when you're wasteful. There could be a moment when you're conservationist. And there could be a moment when being wasteful is actually the right move, perhaps. Um, but but the idea is that the choice is the choice is yours and this idea of shuv um, comes on both parts it's god coming closer to us and it's us coming closer to god so these two teachings sort of informed me when i was thinking about these words um which are words that i had glossed past um very often in in tefillah. i had never really thought about them these words appear at the end of the torah service 
from the very beginning of the Torah service, we say, um, When the ark is, uh, is placed back down, um, sorry, when the ark is, is taken up, uh, we shout out, Rise up, God, and your enemies will flee before you. And so we talk about bringing this ark with us on all of our journeys and the ark being protection. And at the very end, when we put the, the Torah back in the ark, we say, Uvnucho Yomar. Uvnucho Yomar. And then everybody just does their little chanting thing, blah, 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 blah. And then we get to Eitzchayimhi. But in that little murmuring section, there's these three beautiful lines from different places in the Psalms, two from Psalm uh, 132 and one from the Book of Numbers, that say, Shuva Adonai Revot Alfei Israel. Return, O God, you who are Israel's myriads of thousands, right? you who represent all of the people of Israel. Kuma Adonai Limnuchatecha. Arise. You and your mighty ark, come rise up, come advance, come to your resting place. It's a fascinating thing to say, rise up to your resting place, right? That in this rising, you'll be able to come to a place of calm, a place of peace. Um, and this last line, I think, is the really powerful line. It says, Your priests are clothed in righteousness, your loyal ones sing for joy. And I had sort of you know, murmured these lines for 28 years, 29 years. And then suddenly one day I read this last line and I said, oh my God, this is an amazing piece of liturgy. Because, because the priests, we have a whole book in Vayikra where there's like, like Parsha after Parsha telling us about what the, what the priests have to wear. And there's this beautiful breastplate with like 12 different rubies and jewels and emeralds and stones. And they're wearing these like golden robes and it's so beautiful and so amazing and it's so rich and elaborate. But what this verse is saying is that none of that matters. What matters is to be clothed in righteousness, right? And what does it mean for us to be like robed in righteousness? It's to like to wear justice on your sleeves, Right? It's not just to be, it doesn't matter what these like fancy clothes are. It doesn't matter what the priests are supposed to be robed in. The clothing that really matters is this armor of justice. And that is what's going to make these loyal people, these chassidim, that's what's going to make them sing, is visualizing and witnessing that justice coming from their leaders. The leaders are the ones who are supposed to be wrapping themselves in justice. And uh, I saw these lines, I was like, I, 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 there, ha- there has to be a melody for, for these words. There's, there's, such, there's such words. So, uh, so I, I came up with this melody, and, uh, and you'll notice that in the first two lines, we're sort of singing about return, we're sort of swirling over and over again, we're calling out for this return, for this rising up, and then the melody changes when we get to this part about justice. It sort of lifts up. It's this, supposed to be a, a much more joyous aspect of the melody. Hopefully you'll hear that when we try it out. Uh, and uh, if you catch on, love for you to sing along too. <sighs>
Hopefully one day soon it will be when we can gather back together again. Okay, the next one uh, I, I thought we should add in here because uh, Rabbi Schatz and I have been talking about it for many weeks now, and I don't really ever sing it. So I thought it'd be nice to sing it. Um, so, but I don't want to tell you what it's about before we do it. So I'm gonna just sing it, and then we'll uh, and then we'll listen. Um, I'm going to sing the melody, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll go through the words. So first, really, just just listen to the words and see if you can figure out what this melody is uh, is trying to talk to us about. This one's in English, um, and it shares a story, but I don't say who the story is about. So hopefully, we'll be able to figure it out together. Oh, here goes, ready or not. Here I come, you can't hide, you can't run, it's been too late, for far too long, one, two, three,
whisper is heard A free-flying dove who is trapped in the cage of a bird Spit you back out again, land on your feet and you turn No shake and be found when Kikayon branches have burned On, uh, on what this song may be about. I would have an idea. Alexander, you want to share? Jonah and, yeah, Jonah. <laughs> Jonah, yeah, it's about Jonah. When I share with kids, I usually get, someone will say um, Moses and like the splitting of the Red Sea and crossing the sea. Someone will say Noah, um, Noah because of the dove. Um, and uh, inevitably, someone will say Jonah, and then we can talk about why, right? Jonah runs away. The message was a short message he was supposed to deliver, but the journey was it was too long for him to take. Um, but in the end, there was no choice for him but to play the part that he had to play. Uh, in cavernous halls, even a whisper is heard, this cavernous hall, which is uh, the inside of a giant fish. Um, a free-flying dove, right? A Yonah is a dove trapped inside of the, of, the, of the whale like a cage of a bird. Spit you back out again, land on your feet and you've turned. No shade can be found when kikayon branches have burned. Kikayon, one of the two Hebrew words in this song. Um, kikayon is one of my favorite words because uh, it is a word that only appears once in the entire Tanakh. So we don't really know exactly what it means. And uh, there's a word in Latin for a word that only appears one time in all of scripture. And that is a hapax legamina. Do, 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 do. Hapax legamina. And uh, a couple of weeks, it's been wonderful to get to, to, get to be here and share and, and, and sing and, and learn together. So um, here we go. <laughs> 
singing for learning you have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from temple beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative judaism in los angeles if you enjoy these podcasts we invite you to write a review on the apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts for more information about temple beth Am, los angeles go to tbala.org